Hello everyone and welcome to Behold, the podcast where we cast our all-seeing eye over the world of comic book adaptations and try to sort the super from the substandard. Actually, I suppose this week it should be our all-seeing eye of Horus. Oh. And who is we? Well, I'm your host Andrew and as usual I'm joined by my co-host Mick. Hello. How are you doing today, Mick? Not too bad, not too bad. It's free comic book day as we record, so that's always a bonus. And not only that, but I also managed to time my visit so that it was past the bit where they limited you to two per customer. Oh, nice. You got in at the sod it, just take what you want and leave us alone yes, part of the day. Absolutely, yeah. The best time for free comics. Absolutely. So it's a good day. Excellent stuff. And, of course, we should mention that today we are joined by our third co-host. So, everyone say a big hello to Stephen. Go on, me, everyone! I'm excited to be here! Alright! Oh, oh, Andrew. What what, what, just just happened? I I don't know. I blacked out there for a sec. Yeah, me too. I want to know where all these bodies came from. And, and, and the sand. I mean, is, is that not just the usual boom? No. No sand. No, well, certainly no dead body. Well, not, not on the Saturday, I mean. Tuesday, yes, I could understand it. It's perfectly reasonable. But. Yeah. What if we did just do the whole show in like terrible Cockney accents? <laughs> well, as opposed to our terrible normal accents. Yes. <laughs> Finally, the show will be listenable. I'm fairly certain none of our listeners listeners believe we're Welsh. For good reason, I would say. <laughs> so yes, if you haven't guessed from all of that, this week we are beholding Moon Knight. The 2022 Disney Plus series, created by Jeremy Slater and based on the Marvel character created by Doug Monk and Don Perlin. Or I should probably also throw in Bill Sienkiewicz as well. Because he is basically the guy who defined the actual Moon Knight look. Right. Which is more than Marvel Studios do. Indeed. I mean, I mean, well, come on to that. God, sh- surely that's going to be the new thing going forward. To just realize, if our heroes just randomly cre- keep switching costumes, we can sell twice as many action figures. Absolutely. <laughs> Go on, other days where Captain America arbitrarily had to have a new outfit by the start of the next film. It's it's why they were so keen to buy Fox, you know, so that they could start a whole new line of mystique action figures. Oh my god, just repackage (laughs) all the other action figures they've ever made. (laughs) But this time it's mystique. (laughs) So, yeah, are you overly familiar with Moon Knight? No, and I'll tell you for why. Because many moons ago, oh, uh, many moons ago, uh, yeah. 
when I was working on a, a, a similarly themed comic-based podcast with another group of reprobates, of which you were a member, there were, on occasion, the odd Moon Knight collection that came in for review, and Mary was it made available to mine eyes. No, I, I, I fear... Think... It usually got snapped up before I got there. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think just count yourself lucky you've missed the worst of it. I'll tell you what, when the scales of justice balance. Oh no, I might be found wanting. Yes. But yes, as as we've hinted out there, I'm a very big Moon Knight fan. He is one of my favourite <laughs> superheroes. <laughs> and... Oh, was it you? Was it you, Andrew? Was it? Was it? Well, how do you think Rob lost all those fingers? <laughs> but yes, I am very... If I seize Moon Knight, I'm taking the Moon Knight. So yes, so I went into this series completely cold because of that. Interesting. Almost as interesting as the story of Moon Knight's costume. By which I mean is ridiculous comic book nonsense. Because basically Moon Knight was introduced uh, in a series called Werewolf by Night, which I think is getting like a one-off TV thing in October. Werewolf by Night, as opposed to those other werewolves that are walking around in the daytime. Yes, all those famous day werewolves. Is that is that what is that what that fashion segment is on um, this morning and other shows like that? When they're talking about day wear, they mean day werewolves. Yes, that's right. Have, have you not seen Holly Willoughby just, you know, grow a massive set of fangs and tear apart whoever was on Saturday Kitchen? Or is that a different show? That might be a different show. Right. It would certainly make it less bland. It would see minutes in we've already fixed daytime television. It's a gift. But yeah, anyway, Moon Knight was introduced in that series. And kind of originally he was just a generic like werewolf hunter. But because he was popular, he then got his own series. Except in the first issue of that series, the scene he realized, oh wait, in that werewolf by night issue, a bunch of bad guys gave Moon Knight his costume. So they had to retcon it that Moon Knight infiltrated the group of baddies, gave them the plans to his own costume, so that when they hired Moon Knight, they'd give him his own costume to wear. What? For what? I mean, that's not even just comics. No, that's one of like the most ridiculous comic retcons ever. I didn't think it was possible, but it actually makes less sense than the actual Moon Knight costume. If it helps, the the Moon Knight costume in the comics is just a costume. Right. Like he can't summon it like some kind of mummy man. (laughs) The sadly rejected title, working title for the series. (laughs) 
And, and 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 bearing in mind that my experience of Moon Knight is fully from the TV show, is he closely related to Mumra? No, that he's he's less Mumra, more Batman in the comics. Right. Because the, what was originally like his separate identities were supposed to be a play on Batman. So like you've got Mark Spector, who is you know the nighttime vigilante, Stephen yeah. Grant, who's the billionaire playboy. And then Jake Lockley, who's the streetwise gangster. Right. Which, that's that's my one criticism of all modern Batman films. Not enough matches Malone. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want to see Robert Patterson in a really unconvincing fake moustache. Trying to blend in with the mafia. But yeah, he's cool. And I like one of the things that they've done with the latest series is they have moved him quite a bit further away from just Marvel's Batman. Yeah. Even though that did lead to a fun bit where like Bill Sinkevich sent Neil Adams a script of Moon Knight um sent Neil Adams a picture of Moon Knight just shoving Batman out of the way, yelling, out of the way, old timer. <laughs> and then Neil Adams drew another picture back. Of Batman tripping Moon Knight up with the Batarang yelling, Well, excuse me. <laughs> oh, comic guys, what are you like? <laughs> Bunch of clowns. Yeah. And also very talented, rest in peace, Neil Adams. Yes. So. But anyway, yeah, Moon Knight. I'll, I'll go more into kind of comics and comparisons and stuff after the synopsis, shall I? Yes. Go on. Synopsize that. Well, you never said the synopsis had to make sense. Yes. So, Oscar Isaac is Stephen Grant, a gift shop employee for the Museum of London who struggles with recurring blackouts. After finding a hidden passport and phone in his apartment, Stephen discovers that Oscar Isaac is also Mark Spector, a former mercenary who has been resurrected by the moon god Khonshu, voiced by F. Murray Abram, who's got such a good voice, <laughs> as his fist of vengeance, the Moon Knight. Moon Knight is on the trail of Arthur Harrow, played by Ethan Hawke, the avatar of the goddess Amit, who seeks to free her so that she can gobble up all the souls of anyone who so much as thinks of doing a crime. And I'm so annoyed, Mick. Why? Because this series features a goddess that's going to eat all the souls and a goddess who's a hippo and they're not the same goddess so I can't make a hungry hungry hippo's joke. Shocking. It's disgraceful is what it is. It's a blessing. That's what it is. Yeah, you're right. So, I'm sure you'll more than make up for that disappointment. Oh, I will. <laughs> so, while fighting for control over their body, the Moon Boys team up with Mark's ex-wife Layla, played by Mae Kalamui. And as per usual, I'll have to put my... I'm so sorry because I've probably horribly mispronounced that name. And are able to beat Harrow to Amit's Ushabti prison inside Alexander the Great's tomb. However, Harrow catches up to them and while Mark is fighting off goons with a sword, shoots him dead. And and you know what, Mick? What? I would say that bringing a gun to a sword fight 
is pretty unfair. Oh. Like, like a pharaoh. Because it's Egypt. Get on with it! <laughs> I did warn you that was a really bad joke. So, things only get more surprising as Mark wakes up in a mental health hospital and is called, told by his psychiatrist, Dr. Harrow, that the events of the series have all been delusions. Or, it might be that the asylum is a coping mechanism made up by Mark to contextualise things as he's guided through the underworld by Torret, read by Antonia Sleeb, and is the aforementioned hippo goddess. So, Mark and Stephen confront the fact that Stephen was a new identity created by Mark to deal with his traumatic childhood and escape the underworld together. Harrow frees Amit, but Moon Knight is able to defeat them with the help of Khonshu and Layla, who becomes a temporary avatar of Tarot, and they seal Amit within Harrow's body. Uh, the Moon God orders Mark to kill Harrow, but he refuses, leaving Khonshu's service to live a normal life with Stephen. Which does make it sound like they're a couple. It does. But they're just the two minds in the same body. I mean, you've got to ask how they're going to live a normal life anyway. Like some kind of timeshare agreement? <laughs> you can have a body Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. I'll have it Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. We'll swap if we really necessary for a big event. Or special occasion. See, exactly, it's just like when you get a divorce. And the important thing is to tell the body that even though we can't be in the driver's seat at the same time, daddy and daddy still both love you very much. Anyway, it turns out Conchu was very specific in his wording, and while he agrees to free Mark and Stephen, they're both unaware that Oscar Isaac is also, also Jake Lockley, a limo-driving assassin who kills Harrow in a post-credit scene. So you don't know what you're worrying about. It's all very straightforward. Yes. Yes, of course. Any synopsis that includes talking histories, crocodile gods, disemboweling of pharaohs, in a body and uh, being chased by Phantom Jackals through the Museum of London because we can't put it in, you know, we know you're in London, we know it's the British Museum, just say it's the British Museum. Yeah, I can't. Unless, I, now that we say that, I think maybe they did call it the British Museum and I just misremembered it. Oh. <laughs> Look, also, there's a lot to keep you... track of in Moon Knight. It's, you lose some of the details. Also, how did he not run into one of the Eternals who also worked at the British Museum? You know, it's funny you say that. The... And Kit Harrington. Because there was actually supposed to be a scene basically set like thousands of years before where one of the previous Moon Knights did have a little fight with the Eternals. Alright. But they cut that out, I guess, because A, it's going to be very expensive. B, kind of, it kind of distracts from the main story. And C, yeah. they knew that you'd be absolutely livid. 
maybe she just wasn't working that day. Yeah. Plus, I guess he does only work in, like, the gift shop. Yeah, but usually the gift shop is placed near the exit, isn't it? They're usually cunningly designed so that you walk all the way through the, the museum and then on your way out you have to go past the gift shop. Ah, uh, ah, uh, that's the main entrance, not the staff entrance. But while we're on it, I think we do need to mention the one just glaring historical inaccuracy in this programme. Because in episode four, specifically Stephen and Layla go into Alexander the Great's tomb. And Stephen very deliberately chooses an eye of Horus. But where are the four seemingly unconnected clues that he has to prove the connection behind? Where are the pictures? Where's the music round? Victoria Corrin Mitchell didn't even appear, Mick. <laughs> Do you realise the Pharaoh wasn't his worst moment? No. I know. See, the, the reason I told you about the bad joke before was so that you weren't expecting the even worse joke. Maybe he just got it on TV. Maybe, maybe he just buzzed in immediately. Yeah. But still, I'm disappointed well, that, that Victoria Con Mitchell wasn't just like one of the Egyptian gods. It would have been great if she'd have been the voice of the hippo. Yes. <laughs> Although I, I did like what Antonia Salib quite a lot as the yeah. hippo. Not sure how that ship works though. Magic in it. Oh yeah, Rob's in that. See that's the great thing about a series like this. Anything that doesn't make sense, it's gods and that. Yeah. Gods and that based on comic. It it's the writer's catch all, isn't it? Yeah, I mean I think really it's impressive that the writers put any effort into writing a plot. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yes, yeah, so I thought dodgy London accent aside, I thought uh, it was quite good. Yeah, I liked it a lot. And I'll even defend the dodgy accent because we do find out in episode five that Stephen Grant is specifically based off a B movie that Mark watched as a child. Yeah. So it is an American actor doing a bad British accent. It's a bit Dick Van Dyke. Yeah. Can you imagine if it had just been Mary Poppins that he'd watched? <laughs> that's that's what we needed. We needed Stephen Grant to just occasionally burst out into song. <laughs> I thought it was it was quite good. It, it managed to cover quite a lot of Egyptian mythology without bogging you down in loads and loads of work. 
Yeah, that wasn't because I feel like with a lot of shows like this, you get the obligatory episode, which is just, and now you're going to sit down for a history lesson. Yeah, because I think <clears throat> I think there's something like uh, seven hundred and forty Egyptian gods altogether. Yeah, there's there's quite a lot. Um, uh, you know, and that includes like you know the god of that piece of paper that's sitting next to my laptop. Level of gods. Yeah, because because the thing with the Egyptians is they started off with. Yeah, we're just going to say there's a god of basically everything. And then they started conquering other countries and said, yeah, we like that god. That god's one of our gods now. <laughs> it's also it's one of my favourite, like, tactics for... I don't say that... Not favourite, like, as, as a fun historical thing of just the idea of going, yeah, that god you're worshipping, turns out he's actually our god's second cousin twice removed. So I guess you may as well worship our gods now. Yeah, yeah, don't worry about the fact that that one's a crocodile and that one's a jackal. They are related, just don't ask too many questions. I mean, it's fine according to them. All of Earth was created by just one of the gods spitting really hard. And that's like the family-friendly version of the story. But yeah, I, I like Egyptian mythology. Yeah, I like it. Sometimes yeah. too much. I think, but as a, as a fun side story, the most panicked my parents have ever been is one time as a kid, they took me to a museum in Bristol, I think, yeah. and turned around to discover every parent's worst nightmare. I was gone. Like, ran around the whole museum desperately has anyone seen our son eventually found me and to go fact, I was about 10 at the time I'd snuck into the school trip of a different school just so I could answer all the questions they asked about Egyptian and stuff <laughs> oh dear which is again a bit like me constructing a whole new identity for myself, yeah. and we're yeah. back to Moon Knight. <laughs> I think I, I think they do a nice job of uh, it being clear that Stephen's a, a frustrated Egyptologist. He'd dearly love to be the tour guide, wouldn't he, for the the museum? Oh. Questionable location. We'll call it. We'll call it that. Yeah. Just in case they didn't call it the British Museum, and it is called the, the Museum of London. The, the museum that is certainly in Britain and also London. Yes. But yeah, bless him. He's just. He's just kind of lovably hopeless, isn't he? Yep. Which is why the scene where he's suddenly sees Mark in a mirror and then the next the next thing you see is Moon Knight savagely beating up some guys. It, it, it jars. It's a nice little juxtaposition. You kind of know it's coming but 
it doesn't make it any less sweet when it happens. Yeah, that is just a great end to the first episode of just him repeatedly punching a jackal in the face. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say that's been only by the bit where he just like suplexes a jackal onto a spike. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I like I like that they've kind of gone more like sort of the Netflix Marvel stuff of making it a bit gorier than usual. Well, then that was the big fear, wasn't it, when everything started streaming on Disney Plus, that any R-rated heroes would suddenly be less R-rated. Yeah, because I mean, it's, it's going back to the original fears of, well, how are you going to do Daredevil? Because he, he doesn't fit into the MCU. Yeah. And yeah, especially Moon Knight. Moon Knight has a reputation for... Well, well he did cut a man's face off one time. Right. I mean, that's only. That's still less dark than DC, because in DC, the Joker did it to himself. Maybe you got Moon Knight to do it. <laughs> yeah, um. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess the big thing is the Moon Knight costume. Really freaking cool. It is. It is. Um, and let's not forget Mr. Knight. Yes, I was, in fact, I was going to say Moon Knight costume is really cool. Both of them. Because yeah. you've got the standard Moon Knight of just that cool. Like, I really like the effect they have for this one of just the bandages coming out, like wrapping around him. Yeah. And then Mr. Knight is just his nice white suit. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm really glad because my one worry with Mr. Knight, because in the series it's specifically the suit Stephen wears, yeah, that it was just going to be kind of more of a sort of semi-jokey costume. Yeah. Because, <clears throat> I mean, the whole point is originally he just misunderstands the word suit. Yeah. But then by the end he did get a big action scene, which is, it's kind of riffing on one of, the best single Moon Knight issues where it's basically just a homage to the film The Raid and it's kind of all like one take of Moon Knight just in his Mr. Knight suit with two big sticks just beating up a building full of dudes Yeah, and just get that nice long shot of just him running around just like being like whacking the head, whacking the head, whacking the head and that's really what I wanted from a Moon Knight show <laughs> I did like the, um, I did like some of the, 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 the less crucial scenes. I mean, they were, they were crucial in their own right, but they, they weren't, they weren't the big set pieces. But the scene where the, um, mercenaries, um, they've had the shoot up, um, and there's all the dead security guys lying on the floor. Um, and the hippo goddess is talking through them to Layla. Oh, yes. <laughs> that, that is brilliant. That is, it's just really good. Really weird, which is what I want. Yeah, yeah. Um, really enjoyed that scene. Um, and I, I did like the fact that um, Ethan Hawke kind of underplayed Arrow. Arrow was a supervillain that wasn't really a supervillain. 
Yeah, like I like that he was genuinely thinks that Harrow judging people and eating them before they can do crimes is the way to go. Yeah. Like I really like the bit in the last episode where you feed Amit and she's like, Oh, your scales aren't balanced. And he's just like, Oh, Bubba, guess you better kill me then. Like I like oh, that. Oh, no, he's that. he's devoted to his beliefs. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, there was no last minute desperately trying to claw back his own. I mean, he didn't need to because she did it for him, but um, no desperately trying to backpedal and keep his own integrity and say, ah, yes, they're not balanced, but that's because this. <laughs> yes, if you, if you just tilt your head a little bit, then they are balanced. <laughs> Yeah, and his whole, I can't really like his weird walking on broken glass bit as well. Mm. I guess he's an Annie Lennox fan. Why, Conchie? Why do you put me through this? Probably because probably it's some kind of test. And yeah, speaking of weird, I love Conchie. <laughs> really well realised. All the dogs are, to be fair. Yeah, they've all got like nice little details, and I just like, especially when Conchu's summoned, and he's just like hanging out on rooftops or just like leaning against cars. Yeah, yeah, um, and I like I like the mannerisms that the hippos got as well. The little flick of it, the ears that hippos do, is there. Yeah, when she's kind of pondering something. Yeah, yeah, um, and just the way that like she's very big but very delicate. Like when yeah. she's awkward, like yeah. flipping through her little cheat sheet cards trying to find the right one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I also like, I like the fact that most of the gods we only saw human avatars of rather than having to do the, rather than trying to do the full pantheon. So I think if they'd have tried to do the full pantheon, they'd have had to pull back on the, um, detail and costs and it would have looked a bit of a CGI nightmare. Yeah, it would. I mean, this would just be a bunch of people in costume jewellery, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. also think it helps, like, hammer home the fact that, yeah, the gods are mostly just checked out. Yeah. I, I like the fact that it sets up the potential for lots more either series of Moon Knight or potential spin-offs because you've got, we know that there are all those um, disgraced gods encased in stone in the little prison thing um, each of whom presumably have got the power to do the Avatar thing you've got all the gods that are still walking the earth, but whose powers are waning. They're all potential spin offs or standalone stories. And it's just got so much scope. It is. It's almost like Oscar Isaac only initially signed on to do one series of Moon Knight, so they wanted to hedge their bets in case he doesn't come back for another one. <laughs> Because, yeah, because I think 
after Star Wars, he was very hesitant to do like another big franchise. Right. I wonder why. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but this time it can be in a good franchise. Yeah, I, I think because it's been a good franchise and apparently he got a lot of input into the character, I, I think it's likely he'll come back. It's just whether it's going to be another series or whether it's going to be a, a film. Yeah, yeah. Is I wonder if we'll get a film, maybe a TV series, maybe some kind of like Night Stalkers or Midnight Suns type team. It's like him and Blade and I guess Werewolf by Night yeah. if they're doing him. Yeah. Oh, is that his actual name then? Werewolf yeah. by Night? Because as we've established... He needs to differentiate from the other werewolves. <laughs> Unless, I, I think maybe his power is he can turn into a werewolf on any night rather than a full moon. Right. Okay. I suppose that gives more scope for stories. Yeah, it's probably very hard to be like, Right, this story takes place on one night of the month. <laughs> oh, can you can you imagine a multi-part story? <laughs> You're like thirty days of night, but longer. Yeah, maybe. <gasps> maybe that's it. Maybe Werewolf by Night should just move to Alaska. Think of how much superhero he can do then. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, so I should I should probably talk a bit. Good supporting cast. Indeed, there is a spot. I, I quite like Layla. She's fun. Yeah, I think she's seems probably quite deliberately similar to Rachel Vice in the Mummy films. Yeah, and I think I think that's where there was a possible danger with this would be. Egyptology motif is that it's become another one of those Egyptology films that picked what it wanted from the mythos and didn't pay much attention to the actual detail um, and just had lots of adventure types going off and pillaging tombs and doing that and it managed to avoid doing that. Yeah, it kind of it wasn't too, oh, gung-ho, we're going to burst into the tomb and we're going to take this scepter because that's our right as Americans. That's right. Yeah, that was good. And it wasn't, say, gods of Egypt. Which, have you not seen gods of Egypt? Oh, it's very no. bad. Is it? Yeah, it's... It's about what would you you would expect from a film where most of the Egyptian gods are played by white people, right? Including okay. Jamie Lannister from Game of Thrones. I will have a word said against him. He's a fine, upstanding legionnaire supporter. I'm I'm sure he is. He's just maybe not an Egyptian god. <laughs> I remember who was was he a Cyrus something like that. It doesn't matter. We have a new Egypt thing that's better. Yeah. 
I mean, it still didn't hold a candle to the Tom Baker classic story, Pyramids of Mars. Well, of course not. There's, there's no mummies on the Red Planet. Exactly. But yeah, that, that is genuinely like my favourite Doctor Who story. <laughs> it, is, it is a brilliant, brilliant story. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's so pulpy. It is. It's great. I think of it as a blueprint for me now. Or at least the... What's the film called with Stephen Grant? Oh, Tomb like something. Tomb Buster. Tomb, Tomb Buster or Tomb Basher or yeah, something. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, there was an issue of a comic where basically... Mark Spector's mind kind of completely fell apart and he started experiencing those different realities. And one of those involved in fighting werewolves on the moon. So that's almost pyramids of Mars. <laughs> also, I do have to stop myself because every time I want to call that story just Mummies on Mars. But that's not its name. There is, on one of the DVD releases, a spoof documentary of Sutek's life after the events of Pyramids of Mars. Oh, excellent. <laughs> where, where he's just mooching around in his little garden in his house in Kent. <laughs> Finally, forget the Sarah Jane Smith adventures, that's the Doctor Who spin-off we need. Anyway, back to Moon Knight. Indeed. So, yeah, I should probably, since I've mentioned the comics a little bit, talk a bit about them. Because I think the series does make quite a few changes to the character. Like, he's got a lot more superpowers than he does in the comics. A lot of the time he's just... I mean, he's, he's basically Batman. He's more like gadgets and stuff. I think there was a period where he had super strength, but they kind of got rid of that. But I think the powers, they do kind of fit more with the sort of general feel of Moon Knight, which is that he is kind of a weird sort of mystical nighttime guy. Like there's quite a few stories where I'll kind of fight people inside their own minds and it'll get quite trippy. Yeah, right. So I think it makes sense to just give him abilities like being able to summon the costume and just sort of have unlimited throne presence. Yes, and 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 be able to do that strange sort of high ho silver lining dancing with Punchy when you want to move the stars. Oh, I hope someone edits that scene to like put that music in. <laughs> like for, forget the dramatic kind of Egyptian music. Just give me high ho silver lining. <laughs> But yeah, it, it's definitely more unfitting with Moon Knight's weird mystical nonsense. Yes. Yeah. I think, I, think, I think what I got from it was that the, the aim is that as, as Stephen and Mark become more accepting of their deal with Punchy, 
possibly their ability to wield those powers gets gets better. But possibly Jake's is the ultimate expression of that. Yeah. And he's almost a scanner weapon. So I don't know if Jake even has powers or if he's just very good at beating people up. Yeah. Because see, he's, he's definitely a red mist kind of guy, isn't he? Yeah, because what I was thinking is they might, if they do a season two, go the opposite direction, where kind of they have to become Moon Knight again, but Conchu's like, no, no, you, you don't want to be my fist of vengeance, so you can just do this yourself. Have fun fighting baddies when you're not bulletproof, and can't fly. <laughs> And have a limited number of uh, throwing weapons. Yeah, well, you have like one crescent you can put off your chest, but then you have to walk over and pick it up again. <laughs> that said, how good must uh, Moon Knight be at horseshoes? Oh, world champion, easy, easily. Yeah, I mean, that's what that's what we need. We forget. Putting him in as a character in Fortnite, we need Moon Knight to turn up as a playable character skin in Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> With a bonus to horseshoe throwing. Yeah. <laughs> <gasps> no, that's it. Moon Knight Season 2 is basically Casino Royale, but he has to infiltrate a secret underground horseshoes ring. And on the way, he takes out a fairground attraction because, because he uses his crescents as Eclat and he bankrupts the store yes. Who's a crook anyway and makes the hoops, the, the, the hoops too small to land on any other side. Uses this little grappling cock thing to hook a duck. Yeah. <laughs> so, why haven't Marvel hired us uh, yet? And when he runs the gauntlet through all these little fairground challenges, all he gets as his reward is a flush of Honshu. So I do quite like, because that does seem like quite weird mind-bendy stuff. <laughs> oh, they, they absolutely should do a Moon Knight episode at a circus, or like a fairground. <laughs> Hall of Mirrors, where every reflection is a different aspect of Stephen and Mark's personality. Oh my god, can, can you imagine trying to like order tea when there's 50 of you? <laughs> yeah, it's good. Just going for a curry on his own. Yeah, it's, it's basically a lad's night out. Same thing. Yeah, just, just going for a curry on his own. Sitting there at the end of the night, talking to himself, going, right, who had the rice? I didn't have the rice. Who had the rice? Did you? Mark? Mark? Did you have a naan? Did you? Yeah, and then they see that someone's ordered 20 poppadoms. Jake. <laughs> 20 poppadoms in that dangerous looking red thing. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's. Oh, Jake Lockley's absolutely the one who orders the Vindaloo, isn't he? Yeah. And just at the end of the meal, the, the, the waiter comes over and says, uh, that's the bill for the food. And 
But yeah, I, I like this series. It's good. It's a great film. It's great. It, it's exactly what a comic book series should be. It's it's fun. It captures the characters. It doesn't go too deeply into lore. You can, like me, who's been robbed of the ability to read Moon Knight in the past, just leap in and appreciate it for what it is. Don't need a load of foreknowledge. And also bodes well for any future House of Mouth related Deadpool project. Because they're cut from a similar ilk. Indeed. But how does Moon Knight keep his costume so clean, I wonder? Um, well, he probably just... I mean, Sam, Sam's a really good abrasive, isn't he? Oh, do you think that's it? Do you think just after everybody's just grabbing handfuls and just like putting them all over his suit to get the bloodstains out? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the real reason he keeps going to Egypt. That's right. That's why he's got that big pile of sand around his bed. He doesn't actually, he doesn't actually do the laundry. What he does is he puts the suit on the floor, stands on it, and then puts a bit of Jeff Beck on the on the stereo and goes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and relives his best days with his best night out with yeah. his old mate Ponchu. A night so wild they made the stars spin backwards. A moon night so wild. <laughs> anyway, I think basically what we discovered is that at the end of the day, the way to make a good Marvel TV show is to have a giant bird skeleton punch an alligator lady. Yes. While a hippopotamus. Indeed. Well, shall we rank this on our list then? I think we should. So, this is going on our TV list, which currently uh, goes from Peacemaker at number one, all the way down to Titan season two at number twenty-three. So, it's definitely not the new number twenty-three. Definitely. To be very presumptuous, our current top five are Peacemaker, One Division, Jessica Jones Season 1, The Boys Season 2, and Sweet Tooth. And like... Do you know, I'd be tempted to... I think I got into this and enjoyed it quicker. Than Peacemaker. Ooh, that's. That's interesting. But then the flip side of that is I went into Peacemaker with a fairly negative um, anticipation because of my feelings on the Suicide Squad. Whereas Moon Knight 
Well, to, to be perfectly honest with you, since the end of What If Season 1, I've just been desperate for Marvel to release something on TV. We've kept hearing about Moon Knight and She-Hulk and Miss Marvel, and finally one of them landed. I was far more looking forward to Moon Knight than I was to Peacemaker. So, I'm arguing one or two. For me, number one. Because what I was going to say is as someone who loves Moon Knight, is a big fan of Oscar Isaac, and likes this show a lot, I was going to put it in number two. Because I really, really like Peacemaker. I just feel like it doesn't quite hit the highs of Peacemaker. No, but what I would say for Peacemaker is I don't think Peacemaker makes perfect sense if you haven't already seen The Suicide Squad. I mean, it's also, like I say, big Moon Knight fan, so I'm very happy to have Moon Knight at number one if you want it at number one. Whereas with Moon Knight, it doesn't need to make sense because it's like Moon Knight. Yeah, it's... I mean, what information do you think you need for a man dressing up like yeah. a mummy, screaming, I am the Feast and, of and Vengeance? This, what do you think is going to make this, that make sense? If you, think, if you think back to that previous podcast of incarnation of ours, where you read all the movies, would any of those comics have helped me understand this anyway? Well... In my favourite Moon Knight series, Moon Knight's in a mental health hospital, sticks a pillow bag over his head, and suddenly all the orderlies are jackal monsters, and then he runs outside into New York City, where there's a giant pyramid in Times Square. So I think maybe no. (laughs) Then I suggest we put it at number one because it stands on its own feet. And sometimes those feet are big hippo feet. Indeed. Although, if I did have to give Moonlight one criticism, it's that when Layla got her superpowers, she didn't become a big hippo lady. No, but I did like the line, Are you an Egyptian superhero? Yes, I am. (laughs) Yeah, I like... Apparently that was... Because the guy who directed that episode, Mohammed Diab, did that deliberately, like as a bit of a middle finger to Wonder Woman, nineteen eighty four. Right. Because he. <laughs> there was a, a there was a startling similarity when she got her armor, wasn't there? Yeah. To the to to the Wonder Woman eighty four, fetish suit. That's true. All she was missing was a screaming chicken head. Indeed. I did like a little bird wings, though they were cool. Mm. And a big knives. Love a big knife. Unless it's heading to the ship. Yeah, that's fair. If if it's held by an angry Spanish limo driver, then I'm not a fan of a big knife. <laughs> so that's it then. Moon Knight, I knew yeah. He's, he's 
Only bloody gone and done it. Joint number one. Okay. Seems fair. And I guess then Jake Lockley has to be joint number one as well. Well, would you dare put him anywhere else? No. In fact, I think we need to specify that Jake Lockley is more number one than the other number ones. Yes. That, that is if we want to keep our kneecaps. <laughs> right. Right. Well, yes, that's that's us at the end of the that's show again. It. Where can we find this podcast, Andrew? Tell us, tell us. Where can we find Well, it? if you do want to listen to more, you can find all our episodes on the feed or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you should subscribe to the show, you'll make sure you never miss an episode. And if you want to get in touch, our email is beholdpod at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter at beholdpod. And if you are a fan, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review on your podcast app of choice or recommended us to a friend. It's the best way for us to grow as a show and reach new listeners. So that's everything. Until next time, I've been Andrew. And I've been me. And I've been Stephen, so I have. <laughs> so uh, Feed the birds, tap them today. So long and thanks for listening.